so our life force and our movement is like called prana it's called chi there's a lot of different names for this life force and it needs to be moving and flowing and if you just think about like if you have a river or a creek or a stream and it's blocked off you know then like there's a lot of you know algae that grows and the you know it gets it gets like the life can die in it because it's not getting oxygen etc 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 that's kind of like what an, if when that happens invisibly inside of us, you know, we can feel the same way and that can manifest physically, emotionally, or spiritually. So how do we move these forces? Hi, my name's Michael and welcome to Today Dreamer, a podcast and YouTube channel that examines the interplay between inner work and outer work. Through conscious conversations and practical walkthroughs, we'll be exploring ideas and practices to help you find a deeper sense of clarity develop your focus and take meaningful action. I hope you love the show. Welcome to the Today Dreamer podcast. As always, I want to share my gratitude with you for being here with me uh, in this moment and, um, you know, kind of going on this journey together. So today's episode is going to be about our connection with nature. I feel as though we are all a part of nature. It's, it's a common misconception of ours that, you know, we actually are born into this world. But I like to think of it as kind of a flower, you know, coming out in the spring and blossoming. We're actually a part of the entire plant where the planet has birthed us. It's easy to forget that. And it's easy to get so caught up in our lives that we um, begin to neglect our connection or our time spent in nature. Today's guest, Dr. Maya Sheetreet, is going to show us how to reconnect um, on a practical level. So Dr. Maya is a neurologist. And she's quite an interesting being because she's also a herbalist. Uh, so she's an expert on the brain and she's an expert on herbs. And she spent some time studying with uh, shamans and elders and holders of ancient wisdom in South America. She she had a she has an incredible story to share with us today about how her son got sick and she ended up in Ecuador and how um, she traced the roots of of his sickness or, or of his illness to a deeper spiritual um, blockage. So we're going to speak to Dr. Maya and we're going to find out a scientific perspective about, you know, why it's so beneficial to connect with nature and, and some ways to really get into that and experiment with that. So that's going to be fun. Um, what else can I say about Maya? She's the author of The Dirt Cure, a healthy food, healthy gut and happy child. So she talks about um, how... The connection with nature is not only beneficial for adults, but also for children and, and some ways to incorporate that into, you know, their lives. And she talks about her work with, you know, these different healers and elders in South America. We touch on plant medicines slightly, but we also go into, you know, some really interesting stories that she has to share that, you know, really there's a, there's a beautiful there's some beautiful lessons in this episode and and I really hope that you can absorb as much of it as possible. Um, I'm also wanting to make an announcement. I'm giving away a positive planner. 
So for those of you that have seen the video on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, channel Today Dreamer of journaling, it's, it's all about helping you experiment with journaling by sharing different styles and, and some tips to get your new habit going. If you're interested in, in journaling and, and you want to kind of dive into that and you want to experiment with that and you want to see you know, how that can make such a, a massive impact on your life, then check out that video. And if you do, leave a comment and you'll be in the running to win this positive planner. It's actually been donated by my partner, Yvonne. So I also wanted to shout out to Yvonne and um, say I love you and thank you for supporting me with the podcast from day one. And um, yeah, so this positive plan is really cool. And um, I had a quick flip through a different version of it. And it's got some really helpful kind of pages to help me get started. And, and it's a lot of fun. So this one, Journaling 101 is the video um, on the YouTube channel. Also wanted to say, you know, I really appreciate you guys being here with me and, and coming on this journey with me. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing, uh, checking out the audio-only version on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else you can get a podcast. And if you're listening, then feel free to check out the YouTube channel because there's some other videos like the journaling one that can really help you on a kind of in a more in-depth way um, on the ground level, help you get started with some of the habits that I've been talking about. I also have started doing a little ritual before every episode, and that is just to take a deep breath in with you guys just to kind of set the mood before getting into the show. So I invite you now to take a deep breath in with me, um, come up with some kind of an intention for the rest of your day. And I'm inviting you to kind of hold that intention just for a moment before we get into the conversation. So a deep breath in through your nose. Um, you hold the intention for a moment, hold the breath into the belly, and then release all the tension, all the crap, um, any kind of negativity, any expectations, any assumptions, and um, and then we can get into things. So let's get into it now. So just take a very deep breath in through your nose and into the belly. Hold that intention, whatever it may be. And just focus on it for a moment. And then release. Here's my chat with Dr. Meyer. The course correct decision was, was yeah, it was because, um, it was because my son, my third son, my third child, my youngest, um, got sick suddenly and um he'd been you know healthy up until he's about a year old and then he started having breathing issues which were seemed like asthma and he had hives and he had this developmental kind of regression really he'd been an early talker he stopped gaining new words and he kept falling and not catching himself and it was like obviously i was in my neurology training so i was very extra worried if that could be a thing um, and I, um, you know, and I realized that I took him to different doctors. I took him to an allergist. I took him to one of my colleagues, a neurologist. And, you know, I was a doctor and I just got kind of dismissed 
Um, everyone's like, well, he's just reactive or no, you know, I was like, why is he so sick? The pediatrician just, just kept giving him antibiotics and steroids and inhalers and like, nobody seemed to care what was underlying this. And, um, you know, and finally I went into the science myself and I had to do this really deep dive. And um, it turned out he was allergic to soy. And the story actually went even a little deeper than that. But that initial part of the story was taking him off of soy and he got significantly better within a week mm. after 10 months of him being so sick. And um, I just realized at that point that what I'd been trained, all of the information I'd taken in, all of the expertise I had just developed over a decade of time, a decade of training, did not even touch the chronic issue uh, that came up for one of my kids. And I realized, you know, that I hadn't really learned very much about what was happening underneath and all the different ways that we interact with the world around us and our own healthy terrain and, you know, our eco terrain, the terrain around us. And um, I said to my, I remember saying to my sister-in-law at the time, I said, you know, I think I'm interested in integrative medicine. I don't think I'm going to want to do this kind of medicine. And she was like, Maya, you were always interested in this kind in integrative medicine. That's why you went to med school. Mm. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know? And um, my son, uh, I always call him my muse because, you know, as you say, sometimes you go places and you don't know what you're gonna learn, what you're gonna discover about the place, about yourself, about your life. Um, but it's just about pulling you out of your ordinary way of seeing things. Um, he's always been that for me, you know, and so he did that. He did that then. And then he also um, had another health scare several years later after he was much better. And then we had mold in our apartment. We had to move out. We moved back in and he, um, he had a seizure for the first time ever, you know, and we had just like totally gutted the, gutted the apartment we were I was like okay now everything's good and I realized in that moment that his problem was actually not a physical problem that I was doing all the food things all the supplement things all the herbal things like everything that you would do and that he um and that the problem was actually his spiritual body that his energetic body was affected um and that took me on a whole trip to Ecuador, studying with indigenous healers, um, which was its own journey that really opened me up even more richly to the, the unknown world. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. It's, it seems to me, and it's, I'm not really sure what I'm talking about here, to be honest, but it just seems this way. It seems that a lot of um, our physical kind of ail ailments kind of stem from like some kind of a spiritual root. I feel like that that's quite common. And I, I kind of see it in different ways. Um, but it, it feels as though um, down the line, there's something that, that, that um, begins on a deeper level that kind of leads to a lot of the problems that we kind of, that we kind of see. And they're, they're more kind of symptoms. Does that kind of connect with you at all? Absolutely. I think you're very, you know, you have a very clear and intuitive idea about this because, you know, um, and, and I would say, I'm going to tell you the indigenous kind of view on this. Mm. And then I'll tell you the scientific kind of some of the scientific reasoning behind it. So the indigenous 
idea is that everything starts with our spiritual health. And that spiritual health really depends on being in good relations and being in good relations with yourself, being in good relations with um, those around you and being in good relations with your place, with your land, you know, and the mm -hmm. earth that you're, that you're living on. And um, so that is considered really like everything else is downstream. So your emotional health and your physical health are downstream of your spiritual health. And um, so that's kind of the whole paradigm in which I operate. And it doesn't mean that there aren't things you can do for your physical health that can change your physical health, your emotional health, or your spiritual health. Because as one example, you know, if you, like, this is an example I was just talking about earlier today, like, um, choosing to eat a healthier diet or choosing to exercise is actually like, it's an act of self-love. It's an act of changing a story that you might have always told yourself about yourself, right? So there is this kind of spiritual shift that even happens when you change something in your physical well-being. Um, but on the other side of it, when we experience a trauma, and that trauma can be a profound trauma, or it can be the kinds of traumas that we just all experience, you know, in day-to-day -day life, um, it actually can change your, we hold that in our bodies in various ways, and it can really change your, um, your epigenetics, the not which, okay, so our genes are, you know, our DNA is fairly constant, and it's passed down, and very little gets disrupted in that, but the way our DNA is read and manifested as us, that varies based on not just what we eat and you know our environment and the things we're exposed to and even our ancestry and our lineage like if great great grandma had a you know lived through a famine then that actually is something that can be passed down and you know it'll affect our physical and emotional well-being but um yeah so it's reversible though so it's really interesting like the things we experience do change our body and are held in our body and are manifested in various ways. So um, absolutely, our spiritual well-being is a really important component and maybe the most important component of our health. Um, but that does not give us the green light to not pay attention to the other stuff too, you know? Yeah, that makes total sense. I want to kind of come back to at some point, um, the elders in Ecuador, but um, just kind of going down this stream a little bit. Um, so what what are some ways to maybe shake up uh, those ingrained kind of traumas in our physical um, body and, and kind of release some of that, um, some of that built up tension, if you want to call it that? Yeah, there's a good number of ways and some of them are very simple, accessible things and some mm. of them are more exotic, but you know, um, first of all, like we have these forces in our bodies and we need to always be moving them. And, you know, there's this idea of life force, which in Western, um, you know, culture in, or whatever we want to call this culture, um, you know, we don't really have a lot of, we don't have a word for it. And we don't even have a word for spiritual health, really. Um, you know, we, we need a whole kind of lexicon for that. And that's what I'm trying to create, you know, with my institute, the Terrain Institute. But, um, but really, it's like, um, 
you know, with our, our spiritual, um, our, oh, so our life force and our movement is like called prana. It's called chi. There's a lot of different names for this life force and it needs to be moving and flowing. And if you just think about like, if you have a river or a creek or a stream and it's blocked off, you know, then like there's a lot of, you know, algae that grows and the, you know, it gets, it gets like the life can die in it because mm. it's not getting oxygen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's kind of like what an, if when that happens invisibly inside of us, you know, we can feel the same way and that can manifest physically, emotionally, or spiritually. So how do we move these forces? Well, moving our bodies is one way, you know, that can be dancing, that can be running, that can be gardening, grounding on the earth is another thing. I always, I am like a huge tree hugger. I deeply believe in going and, you know, I mean, asking permission and hugging, hugging trees or lying on the ground, um, but really doing a lot of grounding because nature um, and, you know, has a way of alchemizing and moving a lot of these kinds of energies. And we could get deeply into the science of that if we wanted to, but I'll leave it at that. And, um, you know, so there's a lot of those things. Breath work is another way. So doing very particular kinds of um, pranayama breathings or other breathing techniques that we're very lucky to have, you know, shared with us from, um, you know, Indian culture, um, that we can really move energies in a powerful way. Um, so those are some examples. Also, though, being in experiences of wonder and awe, that is a way actually of moving these energies um, powerfully. And, um, you know, the big thing right now that a lot of people really seem to be partaking in is also things like um, microdosing of psychedelics or going to, you know, um, using what we call master plants, these plants that can have very powerful sort of psychic adjustments um, like psilocybin or ayahuasca, sacred plants um, that some people have engaged with and found um, you know, huge movement and huge awakening around that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so there's so much to kind of unpack with with all of what you just went through there. I don't even know where to begin, to be honest. <laughs> I'm, I, I, there are a lot of different ways. I guess on on this show, what we do is, or what I do is, I I try to explore different um, different avenues for people to reach that natural state of stillness. That these different practices. So you mentioned like pranayama and, you know, use of psychedelics and, and, and plant medicines and, and all these kind of different practices that people go through, you know, through the whole spectrum. I think it's fun and interesting to kind of go and explore these in a bit more detail. So that's what I've been doing and, and try to kind of bring people along on the journey. And I feel like um, you're just such a wealth of knowledge and I really kind of appreciate you being here having a chat with me, but I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into the science of the nature. Like I am a bit curious about that and I feel as though um, on some level, I feel as though you need to kind of talk a bit of science in a way to bring a certain group of people into the conversation um, that people that may kind of automatically assume some things are a bit like woo-woo or a bit kind of, you know, out there. Um, it, when, you, when we speak a bit of science, it, it seems to, I don't know, it just seems to kind of bring people like that in. And I just find it on top of that for everyone else that's kind of already on board and, and feels, um, there's, feels the truth of a lot of this. Cause I think a lot of this is there's, there's a deeper sense of knowing within us that we can connect to and, 
sometimes when people say certain things, it really connects to that. And other times it's just like you feel kind of really uh, pushed away by what someone's saying just from, you know, maybe not from a mental thing, but more of an embodied kind of internal force. So would you be able to talk to me a little bit more about the science just for my own curiosity and just to dive a, deep, deep, a bit deeper into things? Because I feel as though the connection between humans and themselves, humans and others and uh, other beings and, and the planet in general, and you're, you're mentioning the environment, is so vital and important. And, and that's something that, you know, I feel like we've lost a lot of, um, you know, for a very long time now, I guess. Uh, but it seems to be moving in a, in a direction of reconnection um, on, a lot of, on a lot of fronts. Would you be able to talk to me a little bit about why uh, a deeper connection to nature from a scientific uh, perspective is, is, um, is beneficial and healthy and helps us um, kind of with that, that kind of reconnecting and readjustment? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to say something first about um, science <laughs> in general. Yeah. Good. Um, which is just, you know, because you, you use the term woo-woo and um, I know you, I mean, you were just saying some people might find it a little woo-woo or whatever. And sure. I think it's interesting because um, for me, you know, I've gone very deeply into um, kind of the birth of the modern scientific method uh, which happened right around the same time as the European witch hunts. And, um, and the language of science at that time was very much mirroring torture, torture of women, torture of the earth, to, to basically putting Mother Earth, this is like a loose quote, putting Mother Earth on the torture rack and um, extracting her secrets. That was the language of the beginning of modern science. And it happened at the same time that um, also, colonialism really began in, in um, you know, earnest, um, where, you know, people in Africa and people in the Americas, it was like a very, it was a very uh, potent time, if I could say that, and interesting because um, previous to that, um, and, you know, to take people a little more woo before we get into the science of which there is a copious amount, um, you know, magic was a very common part of society. It was a normal thing. And magic looked a lot of ways, like kitchen magic was working with plants and, you know, hedges and spirits and nature cycles. And, um, you know, and this is, I'm talking even in European culture, right? I mean, in African culture, in Native American culture, in South American culture, you know, in all indigenous culture, it was it was very deeply a part of things. And magic wasn't like a weird or a bad thing. It was a relationship with the natural world. It was a relationship with the cycles of the earth. It was a relationship with the invisible world. Um, it was a relationship with ancestors. So, so very different definition to what someone might come up with today. Yeah. Exactly. So, and why, and that's why it's so important to me to really share this is that science to me is the language and it's a, a language, one of many languages that describes the magic of the world. And it's a, it's a, and we've learned, you know, I think we have a lot to adjust in our way of thinking about science because just as one example, uh, because of quantum physics, we now know, and well, it's not even new, but now we really know that, like, there's no such thing as a disinterested observer in a scientific experiment. 
by, by its very nature, by the very nature of, of being present by doing an experiment, you are part of it. That is, you know, a pretty well accepted idea now in quantum physics. And that's just one of the many mind blowing aspects of a very valid and interesting part of science right now. So, you know, anyway, I just wanted to make that point before we go into, I think, perfectly logical and common sense science around nature. I think um, it's a very valid point. And I think like looking at science as as a one of the many possible tools for you know describing things is is a is a is a bit different than what we might be used to i guess um it definitely was for me when i made that switch but i feel as though it's it's a powerful thing because it opens you up to other possibilities it opens you up to other ideas and so you're not kind of stuck within a certain belief system yeah yeah absolutely and i think we're in a place and a time um, you know, in the evolu in our evolution, where we really do need to start thinking differently and doing things differently. And we could name a million reasons why that's true. Mm -hmm. but we are in this sort of strange, you know, we're in this strange time and kind of almost a crisis point in so many different categories that um, it's as good as a, a good a time as any and maybe a very necessary time to really start being able to take that different view and entertain a more open-minded approach around what's happening, what our world is, you know what I mean? And mm. how we can interact with like the world and the natural world. Um, so to get to your question about nature, um, you know, I think naturally most people find that when they're out in nature, they feel differently. And, um, I think, you know, I'm not going to say that's across the board, but there's actually quite a lot of science that shows that that's true. Um, and I'll start just with an example of forest bathing. So forest bathing is um, named for Shinrin-yoku, a Japanese practice where people go regularly and immerse themselves in the beauty of the forest. And I mean, that means going to the woods, okay? It's not, it's not like, you know, doing anything you know, unusual, but just really being in the woods and being there in a, in a peaceful way. And, um, and what, and so because it's a very common, normal part of culture um, in Japan and in Asia, there are actually, it sometimes is recommended, you know, as a, um, you know, as a treatment by doctors. And so they've studied it in really objective ways. And the kinds of things that they found um, when people forest bathe, when they go regularly and deep into nature, is they found that their focus is better, their attention is better, they sleep better, they're, they, they subjectively feel happier, um, their executive function is better, their creativity is better, um, and uh, it actually, they feel less stressed, um, but actually then there are these very objective physiologic measures like cortisol levels drop, um, there's the stress hormone, and um, anti-cancer proteins go up, and natural killer cells, which sounds scary, but are actually a really important part of our um, non-specific immune system. So that's you know important for um, fighting cancer actually, but also for whatever comes your way, you know, whatever virus or organism or bacteria or whatever comes your way, your natural killer cells are kind of the front line 
um, to, to help you know, remedy that situation. So we have this array of, of different um, objectively measured and subjectively uh, discovered outcomes from being, simply from being in the woods, simply from being in the woods, you know? And of course, it's such a complex experience. You've got, you know, the smells, you've got the sounds, you've got being away from, you know, really busy traffic and maybe being away from as much, you know, um, cell phones and all of that. Mm. Um, you know, you've got microbes that are different. You have, but also you can't pick apart what it is. It's this symphony, this symphony of, of different experiences that are, um, you know, that have evolved over, over, since the beginning of time, really, you know? And we walk into that and it brings us into this, um, you know, these patterns and these um, sacred geometry and these smells that are, are not just familiar to us now, but, you know, you talked about us being separate from nature and, and that's, and, and, and we're so much a part of nature. We can't really ever be separate from nature, mm. but um, it's about remembering. It's this remembering that, you know, I believe we have all this knowing inside of us and ourselves and in our DNA and in our epigenetics, we get to have this contact with nature and it awakens these aspects of ourselves that bring us into that symphony, into mm. that special balance. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, there's something to be said about the quant the amount of time you spend in nature and, and kind of getting into that rhythm as well and, and kind of allowing that to kind of sinking into that a little bit and, and going with it. So not only the quantity, but the quality as well. So, you know, finding, I mean, it naturally happens anyways, but but get, getting into that process of being present when, when in nature, um, once you've got yourself there, you know, finding a way to really kind of sink into the experience and then stay for a little while. I found that the longer periods of time in nature, even though they might be, you know, in the modern world, difficult, more difficult to kind of organize. Once you're there for a decent amount of time, you really, there's, there's profound changes that take place. And like you said, it's really just a coming back to rather than something new that you're kind of approaching for the first time it's like it's always been there and some some you know layers are kind of melting away as you're connecting with with the world around you the natural world um have you found that to be true with yourself like the the amount of time you spend really deepens your experience absolutely yeah for me absolutely yes and i'm very lucky to live, um, although I live in New York City, I'm in a very green spot and I have a garden and I keep chickens and I live right on the on a park which is all forest. So nice. I have mm. very, um, you know, I get to immerse myself daily. Like my daily, my run is, I trail run. So I, I run through the woods and I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a super long run because, it's, because I stay in the woods and, you know, our park is how big our park is. Um, but I get that experience and I forage in the woods. I grow food in my garden and herbs and medicinal herbs, um, you know, and um, yeah, so I think, I think absolutely. Um, and you, you know, and I think it's like more than just the time you spend in being mindful. Hmm. It's about building, building a relationship, building an intimate relationship with nature. So that's why I created the Terrain Institute also was 
how can we develop this relationship with the natural world and with all the kind of living beings in the natural world? And what ends up happening is the more receptive and the more aware and the more perceptive you become by building that intimate relationship, which is just like building a relationship with another person, right? You're not gonna, you're not gonna get all those secrets and find all that magic about another person unless you take the time and you really are interested and are curious and, and have an open mind. If you make judgments about someone in advance of even getting to know them, then you're, you're never gonna really get to know all the magic and all the secrets and all the mm. kind of things. So, you know, I'll just give you an example is like, so I spend a lot of time um, and I plant certain kinds of plants that I feel the land really wants. And um, like today, I had a very magical experience, which I want to share in my yard, literally, which was, I went outside and I was standing there and a hawk flew right over my head about, I want to say, and I know we're talking, you know, feet versus metric or whatever, but um, maybe 10 feet above my head, which is the closest the hawk has ever flown to my head, holding um, a robin, robin redbreast in its talons. And I could hear the robin um, and it flew right to a tree on the edge of the woods and, um, and stayed there for a little while and then did whatever it did and then flew out over, over the water, over the river. And um, it was like the most powerful experience. It was just mind blowing. Um, and remember, I live in New York City. So this isn't, you know, it's not like I'm out in the country somewhere. And then a few, maybe 20 minutes later, and I stayed there and I really took it in, a hummingbird came and stayed for such a long time around the plants right next to me. And it was like, I was so overwhelmed with kind of the magic mm. of nature. And it really just had to do, I didn't do very much. I just was present and, you know, it's true that I planted certain plants that are, you know, maybe particularly appealing to butterflies and hummingbirds, but it was just like, if I hadn't been out there and I hadn't spent that time just being present in that space, I wouldn't have seen these two absolutely magical, powerful events that I'll probably never forget as long as I live. That sounds very intense and it sounds beautiful. <laughs> I, I'm... Yeah, that's that. That sounds like one of these moments of wonder and awe, to be honest. And it, and it's it's can be they can be real powerful experiences. I definitely feel what you're saying with uh, the sense of relationship, how we relate to ourselves, one another, the world around us, our environment. To you know something as simple as a you're walking down the street, maybe you're picking up your kid from school, and you and you're looking at this certain tree every day, and and you know you're you're relating to this tree, and and that that relationship really does, it seems to change something. I don't know um, how or the science behind it again, but it feels like that kind of an experience is, is uh, just as valid as, you know, your relationship with another human. And I think it's, for me, what I've noticed is the association that I draw from, you know, different um, plants and animals around me and experiences, they kind of feed into lessons in my life in other ways. So it's like how I kind of, use that experience and, and connect certain dots and that never would have happened if that relationship wasn't wasn't there or wasn't formed do you know much about why i don't know like relationships are so important i mean i think there's a tremendous amount of you know well there's just a broad 
way broad number of perspectives. Yeah, we go in any direction with it. Yeah, but I'll give you one example of why I think it's important, and actually, it'll take me to a little bit. You know, one of the ways that I think is really important for our physical, emotional, and spiritual health, which is, you know, so we um, our hearts emit an electromagnetic field. They have a, our hearts have a very powerful electromagnetic field that is measurable. And, um, you know, it's, and it's like, there's published studies and peer reviewed journals, because I know that this does sound a little, you know, like, woo, but, you know, it's, it's, the heart is actually this organ of, of perception and communication. It's not just like, you know, this organ that pumps blood in the body, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so that electromagnetic field of the heart, everything in all the organ systems in the body align to that electromagnetic field. It's called entrainment. They entrain to this um, electromagnetic field. And we emit an electromagnetic field around us, also measurable, around six to eight feet, maybe a little bit more. Um, again, it's totally something that's measurable. And um, when we're in the space we're we're in physical proximity to another person or anything that has its own electromagnetic field which could be a plant it could be an animal it can be a rock it can be water because everything on the earth has an electromagnetic field um we actually combine electromagnetic fields we have a some kind of combined field and so, um, and that's why, like, just as an example, you know, when you're sitting doing your thing and someone walks into the room, um, let's say, you know, it could be a coworker, it could be partner or spouse, um, without, without them slamming things around, without them heavy sighing, without those things, you, you might still know that they had a really bad day or that they're in a bad mood, right? You perceive something and you turn around and you think, what, you know, you say, what happened? Or are you okay? Or, you know, something because we perceive these things through, through actually um, frequency and vibration that we can, that's measurable through these combined fields. And so when we're in a shared electromagnetic field, and all of this research comes from the HeartMath Institute or much of it and it's been published over decades. Um, when we come into the presence of another being, we, it's like, it's like a, a nourishment of, or, or not, you know, could be, I guess the other way, right? It could be something that actually is a little toxic. And what's interesting about this electromagnetic field is, um, so the way the heart actually beats, not, um, not the speed, but the variation between the beats, which is not equal. It's, it varies a little bit in between each beat. Um, it's called heart rate variability. When we measure that, you can actually very closely, very fairly accurately um, determine how that person is feeling, what emotion they're feeling. If it's anger, if it's, um, you know, concentration, if it's um, happiness and, and the, and the most, um, beautiful tracing of heart rate variability that is this beautiful sinusoidal wave is when people are in a state of gratitude and appreciation. 
then we have this beautiful balanced sinusoidal wave. And the HeartMath Institute calls that coherence, that we're in coherence, which is kind of a beautiful word to think of, you know, with the word coherent, meaning that we are, you know, as, as um, lucid as possible, right? Mm. And um, so the very cool thing about being in a state of coherence is that they've done all these studies on mental illness, including things like schizophrenia, including bipolar, including OCD, um, and then things like being PTSD, you know, in vets that came back from war or um, even physical illness, even things like high blood pressure, heart disease, um, depression, anxiety, this whole broad spectrum of conditions being in a regularly in a state of coherence improves all of those things. And there's a ton of studies on this. So basically, if you think about it, we, we are related beings and um, something about being in that shared relationship and that shared field changes our bodies. And when we feel gratitude, when we feel appreciation for what we have around us and we're, and through those relationships, not only are we healthier, but we also influence the fields of others. So they're healthier. You've just touched on a, a lot of kind of points that kind of regularly get discussed through the podcast. And I, I really, yeah, I can, I can definitely feel where you, where you go with all of this. Did you feel a, a difference after the 40 conversations that you had over that, over the month or I'm, I'm not sure if you're still in this process, but did you feel a difference from, you know, this energy and this vibration and, and just from these, these fields connecting so often in such a, I guess, short period of time? Um, it's such an interesting question that you ask because there, you know, we're talking about being in proximity, but in fact, you know, all these interviews are over zoom right now. And, um, you know, with people all over the world and, um, the vibes still go through though. I feel like they do. It's not the same. It's not the same, but there's definitely something that transfers, you know, even if we're on an internet connection. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that completely. And that's why I was going to say is that even the science of, of looking at these, you know, looking at intuition and heart intelligence, um, it actually, you know, it's, it's a little bit beyond what we understand in time and space because people can know things that are happening on the other side of the world to someone that they love, for example. You know, we do have these ways of knowing things like someone got in a car accident, you know, in, you know, Peru or in China or something, and here I am in New York or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, I do. I find it very powerful. And also I do live calls with um, my students that are in my institute. And um, when we have those calls, we, we all feel, we all feel like we're in this sort of healing energy um, that's very blissful, actually. Um, so we, you know, we have our calls on, on Wednesday nights and we all end feeling this very kind of blissful and joyful um, way. And, and I think really in a state of compassion and a state of gratitude and appreciation. Yeah, I've definitely f found that when people get together in groups and they do some kind of a practice, there's this kind of uh, like a reunion taking place, like kind of like this this illusion of separation kind of dissolves a little bit and we come into this kind of, you know, a bit more into this oneness that, that you know, that connects us all. And like you said, everything's got its own 
electromagnetic field and, and the science in, in whatever ways, I'm sure in different directions would back, back things up. Um, but it, it just, there's certain things that, you know, we don't need to explain, I feel as well. Like there's no need to explain why I feel a certain way, you know, when I, when I, when I'm able to connect with myself on, on a deeper way than normal. And, and I, I just kind of, you know, it's kind of almost beyond words how you feel sometimes. And what's, what's the point of explaining that? I mean, it's just like you said, it radiates outwards anyways, and it, and it encompasses, it helps people, brings people into that experience and that vibe and that energy as well, naturally. Sometimes I just feel like we're almost kind of wired to want to know the answer to everything or, or want to kind of explain things. You know, I think that I don't think we're wired that way naturally per se, but I think the world that we live in right now and our culture, our overall culture um, is very, very uncomfortable with uncertainty, is very uncomfortable with the unknown and um, is very uncomfortable with mystery. But mystery and the unknown are very normal things. And um, this idea that we're going to understand everything or that we could ever understand everything um, in a world that's so expansive and so really so magical. And we learn things literally, I mean, I'm just giving you an example, like we learn new structures in the body still. Like, you know, there's this lymphatic system in the brain that they just discovered very recently in the last several years. It's called the glymphatic system and it detoxifies the brain. You know, it's like the lymphatic system of the brain and it's active when we're sleeping. Never, never before talked about, never before discovered. And here we are, you know, thinking we're so advanced and we know everything, but of course there are still things to discover and we probably won't ever know those things. And I think it's really harmful to all of us um, to, you know, to want to know everything or try to know everything. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being curious, you know, and coming with beginner's mind and, and being in a state of awe and wonder. And I think that the best scientists are all of those things. Um, but this idea that we're going to have clear answers all the time and that we're going to be right and, you know what I mean? That I think is actually is harmful and it's, it's caused us a lot of problems and it's made us harmful to the earth as well. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's definitely um, a really kind of, there's, there's something really profound in what you just said. I can, I could definitely, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, there's so much to unpack just in that one area, I, but I kind of want to, cause I'm, I'm kind of cognizant of time as well. And I don't want to kind of hold you up too long. But I, I kind of want to go through a couple more things because there's so much to, there's so many options with this discussion. We can go in so many different directions and it's honestly like a lot of fun trying to figure out which way to go with this because of your background, you know, neurologist, herbalist, someone that's, you know, studied with elders, obviously your experience with your life and you've got uh, such an interesting way that you've incorporated you know the nature or the natural world into your life even in new york city like that's fascinating in itself but i want to hear more about these elders and and your time in ecuador um so you 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 were with your um you you had the second kind of scare with your with your son and you decided to you know head to ecuador and 
and meet some elders? Like, like what happened from that point forward? Sure. Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, and I think it's a kind of an interesting story because um, it really demonstrates how, you know, I have this philosophy that if you take one step in the direction of your purpose, the universe takes three steps towards you. So um, it, for me, one of the things that I teach about a lot is how to um, interact with sort of when the, when, the, when the world or when the universe kind of gives you an invitation, um, learning how to notice it, recognize it, and, and engage with it. So this story, you know, was my son had this, I had this health scare with my son, and um, I had been to an herbal conference a couple months before and took a class among the many classes with a, a fourth generation shaman from Ecuador, who is also a PhD in ethnobotany. And um, I, I discovered that she was going to be um, teaching and doing healings at another conference in New Hampshire, which was about, I don't know, six or seven hours away from me. <clears throat> and I had this sick little boy, you know, or at least I was very worried about him. Um, and I, I ended up, I couldn't get anyone to say that they would guarantee that she would see him. They just basically wouldn't. And I had to dive into the unknown. And I thought, this is the person I know this is a person that needs to see my son right now. I just knew deeply in my heart that she was the right person in that moment. And I took my, my older daughter and my son and we Hopped, we hopped in the car and drove seven hours to New Hampshire. How old was um, your son at that time? He was um, seven. Okay. And and um, and we got there, and indeed we were able to schedule a, a healing with her with this with this shaman, and um, you know that was its own experience that was very powerful. And then um, I said, hey, you know, do you ever teach? Like, I'd be interested in learning more about, you know, your practices and what you do. And she said, yes, I'm going to be leading a trip to Ecuador in the, um, sometime in the spring. And I said, she said, check my website. So I went home, I checked her website. It wasn't really a website. <laughs> it was like not even a website. And I kept checking and there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. At some point I might've even emailed, no response. I was like, all right, I don't know what's going to happen with this. And that was probably January. And she said a trip was in the spring. So I thought maybe April. Then a few weeks went by and I thought, oh, you know what? I haven't checked in a while. I checked again. And not only was there a trip posted on the website, but the, but the deadline, but the trip was in February and the deadline was in like basically the next day. And there was <laughs> it turned out. And I had to decide within 24 hours and like express mail my deposit and whatever if I was going to go. That's the best. That's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. Like you're a doctor and you have three kids and they're little, you know. Yeah, but that's a, a, that's a challenge, right? That you said that's like, kind of like an invitation from the universe. Exactly. So that's kind of how I ended up in Ecuador. And, um, you know, we had a two-week trip there where we met different healers. We learned all different kinds of things. I went back to Ecuador, learned with different, um, you know, different kinds of um, healers. And then I have since studied with um, elders from West Africa, 
and mm. um, people who, who um, you know, do like hoodoo and voodoo traditions. So I, I ended up, and then, you know, the interesting thing was it took me on a journey back to my own lineage because uh, my family on my dad's side comes from um, the Atlas Mountains of Morocco and they're, they're Berber. And um, so what I discovered is that all of these little stories that my aunts, I have many, many aunts. My grandmother got married when she was nine and had her first baby when she was 13. And my dad was one of 11. So, and eight of my, eight of them are aunts. So my aunt, I have this whole family of aunts who, um, not all of whom are still around, but they always would give me these little kind of, you know, practices to do, little herbs to use, you know, give me these little kind of pearls of wisdom. And I had never really incorporated them as, wow, like this is my lineage that is actually, I have my elders of my own family who are giving over this, um, you know, their wisdom, their deep wisdom from, from, you know, Moroccan wisdom and Berber wisdom and all these different things. So um, it's been a, it's been quite a journey <laughs> to learn all these things. It sounds like it. Yeah. And, and wow, that's just, <laughs> it sounds like it has been quite a journey and it's interesting how it's taken you back to your roots in a way and, and you've, you've followed the path or whatever kind of has come up um, in that direction. And you've, I'm sure you've discovered a lot about yourself in the process. And it sounds like just, it sounds like an adventure, to be honest. Like that's, that's what I'm feeling from all of this. It sounds like one big kind of crazy, interesting, you know, adventure with a lot of ups and downs and, it, and it's, it's been a bit of a journey. What's, um, I just wanted to mention as well, have you heard about The Twelve at all? This documentary, yeah. The Twelve, they got um, a couple of, I, I can send you a link, but a couple of guys got together um, 12 of the world's, I don't know, 12 of the world's wisdom keepers or elders from different regions and they got them together in, to meet in the United Nations, I think in 2017. And it's just like an interesting uh, you know, documentary or even a piece of art to engage with. I can send it through if you haven't come across it before, but I think you'd find it really interesting. Yeah, I would love to. I actually um, have been lucky enough to be invited to um, the Indigenous Mission to with you know various friends from si Siberia and um, and Australia, I've actually been able to go to um, you know be part of the yearly Indigenous Peoples um, Conference at the UN. So I wonder if that was you know happening in some way relating to that event. And um, so I'll definitely look at it. Yeah, that's awesome. So what's what's um where are you at at the moment? What's exciting you and what what like, is there anything you want to share with um, any projects that you're working through? Or is there anything you want to share with, you know, any area of interest that you may be kind of uh, curious about or, or kind of digging into? Well, so I'm kind of always, always the student, even as I, you know, have been doing things for a long time, and that keeps life interesting for me. Um, so I do have this institute where I'm teaching um, herbalism, I'm teaching about having a relationship with the earth and heart intelligence and a lot of the things that we talked about. Um, and I, I actually started studying uh, ancient astrology and um, found uh, to my, you know, surprise, I think over the last several years that it's actually very much a science and 
you know, an art and a science um, in the same way that healing is, you know, an art and a science. So I've started, um, I started a YouTube channel <laughs> um, just talking about sort of astrology and how to apply it, ancient astrology. And I've ended up reading, you know, old, like old texts in Greek and looking at Arabic astrology and looking at, um, you know, all these different uh, scholars that um, really like, again, just the way I talked about magic being a part of society, astrology was a part of politics, government, farming, um, you know, it was very much a part of society um, and the upper echelons of society for, you know, well, even going going back to Egypt and, and how they kind of align the pyramids with the stars, even the Mayan temples, and it's yeah, it's it's been around for a long time. Uh, astrology is one of those things for me that I probably have an initial automatic reaction, like when someone, I don't have it so much with the word magic, um, but I do with astrology because of I guess the you know ways that it can be taken. Um, but I, if you if you're looking at how long it's been around and the mystery of it all. I guess it's something that I don't completely understand. So that's, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's definitely, you know, if you're someone, which I was actually until I started, you know, you have to have that moment, I think. But if you're someone who just like sees the horoscope in a magazine or the newspaper, then yeah. it definitely seems very superficial and like, it makes no sense at all. Yeah. Yeah. Understand a little about the complexity um, which would be, you know, obviously a whole podcast in and of itself, you know, it's, it's actually, it's very deep and complex and rich and, um, you know, it's, it reminds me of science. It really does. It reminds me of kind of the magic and the beauty and the geekiness <laughs> also of, of going deep into science. So yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting journey. Mm, for sure. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. It sounds like there's kind of exciting things on the horizon. And it sounds like, you, like as well that you're just having a lot of fun kind of doing your thing. You know what I mean? Like I can feel that energy from you. Like you're, you're really connected with, you know, your path. And, and that, that's a beautiful thing, you know, to, to experience just from, from, from my perspective. It is, it's beautiful and it's um, a little wild. And there's also, it's a real lesson in surrender because, and I say surrender in that sense of um, allowing, you know, because it's not always, you know, especially if you're an unconventional person, which I think most of us really could be and do really interesting things. But when we're willing to kind of let go of that and, um, kind of heed that invitation it it makes life it makes life very interesting and and you know the one thing I can say is that I I am very passionate about what I get to spend my time doing cool well I think that's probably a good place to wrap things up Dr. Maya do you want to um, maybe point some people in the direction of your institute and, and share share some information about you know um, maybe a little bit more about what you do there? Cause you mentioned, you know, you go into herbalism, you talk about ways to reconnect. Um, maybe it's a good opportunity to maybe share a bit more and, and let people know how they may be able to connect out there. Of course. Yeah. All the information is at um, my website, which is drmaya.com, D-R-M-A-Y-A.com. And um, I have short herbalism courses where I teach about working with um, plants physically, emotionally, spiritually. So we have little, you know, shorter modules like that. And then I have a larger 
um, Terrain Institute certification program um, where people uh, spend six months going, doing a deep dive and it's very transformational. Um, transformational for becoming more connected to themselves, those around them and the, the, the world, the earth. Um, and we go through all different kinds of practices, a lot of lectures, a lot of experiential things, a lot of assignments, not a lot of assignments, but uh, some assignments to kind of uh, deepen the practice. And um, so, and our next one begins in October. So that's a place that people can definitely deep dive. And I have a lot of also just free information on my website as well. And um, then I'm pretty active on Instagram at Dr. Maya Shitreet and, um, and now YouTube with the, the same, the same name, Dr. Maya Shitreet. Awesome. Cool. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the podcast. I hope you got something out of that chat with Maya. And um, I definitely recommend that you get in touch with her if you're interested in deepening your connection with nature. And if you want to know more about this, this course on herbs and getting into that side of things. So I'm going to leave a plenty of you know links and all that kind of thing in the description section, whether you're watching or listening to this, all that will be made available. Um, and don't forget about the journal, the positive planner that I have up for grabs. If you head over to Today Dreamer on YouTube and you click on the Journaling 101 video, um, I'll go through some steps with you to really kind of help you get started on your new journaling habit, which is immensely beneficial. It's, it's such a great thing to be doing on a regular basis to just kind of get your thoughts out onto paper um, and just, just be able to kind of uh, reflect back on what's going on in your mind. Um, because a lot of the time we're stuck up in there and we, it, it prevents us from connecting on a deeper level to ourselves, um, the world around us and the people around us as well. So journaling can be a great way to reflect. Um, there's going to be a bunch of styles on there for you to experiment with. And I really um, you know, hope you do check it out. If you do, leave a comment and you'll be in the running to win uh, the Positive Planner as well, which I'll send out in a week or two. Thank you for tuning in. And I guess I'll see you in the next episode. Cheers.